Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. This is the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns. I'm so excited to be here with you today and to share some thoughts about mindfulness and heartfulness, which is the compassion end of mindfulness, and and to share some, you know, just some some thoughts and some stories and, and even some practices. I don't know if I'll have a specific practice today, but oftentimes in this podcast, I share practices with you. And basically everything we talk about here in this podcast is, is designed to help you to to you know really come inside yourself and and to to you know become you know aligned and 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 aware of your authentic self and that really is the the special sauce here with everything that we do here uh, you know when we can align with our our authentic self, we can really be true to our ness, as I like to say it, right? Your your ness, right? My artness, your you know Jane ness, whatever your first name happens to be, um, you know, when when we can align with that part of ourselves, right, and really be present a hundred percent in that that space. Oh, gosh, there's almost nothing that we can't accomplish in our lives. It's true. It's true. And, and you know, a lot of times these, you know, these practices, I just did a, a podcast uh, episode with uh, my buddy Adam Asdell, where we do the learning to surf uh, art and uh, Adam and art album. I got to give him credit because he, he's the uh, creator of the whole thing. Um, but but we did, you know, we talked about this. We talked about how, you know, people come to mindfulness for, you know, for, for, you know, the, the benefits, you know, and there are lots of benefits, right? Um, you know, whether it's stress reduction, whether it's anxiety that you struggle with, whether it's depression, whether it's um, a relationship issue, whether it's uh, anger, you know, as I'm about to start a new course that's really uh, focused on on transforming anger into something that's far more useful and far more, uh, you know, pleasant for us. Um, but it can also be something as simple as golf, right? I mean, not not that golf's that simple, actually. You know, golf's a pretty complicated and difficult game to play. But I had a client a few months ago who, uh, or, or last last year, I guess at the end of golf season last year, you know, he shot like the best round he had ever shot on the hardest course he had ever shot. So even even if you're looking to improve your golf game, and by the way, I think I'm going to launch like a, a four or six week course to talk about mindfulness in golf. So if you know anybody who plays golf, put them in touch with me, okay? Because I got a couple of questions for them and, and I, I think I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to do because the timing is perfect, right? Everybody's starting to dust off their clubs and uh, get out there. You're all going to go out there for the first time, and the the course is just going to beat you up. And so, uh, so I, I would love to to help people with that. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so the mindful golfer is is what I'm thinking. And so, so if you know anybody, if you are into golf or or you know someone who is, I'm going to do this fun little course. And so, you know, might even be just a quick four week kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> but I, I strongly encourage you and invite you that if you if you are a golfer or someone you know is a golfer, please send me an email. And let me know and let's get into a little conversation, okay? But I'm thinking in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to set this one off and I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm thinking it should be like a Friday night thing because, you know, you'll be on Saturday morning, you'll be going out to play golf. So probably like an hour long Friday night uh, session, you know, four or six sessions, something like that. Something real simple, real exciting, real fun. So, uh, so if you know anybody who might be interested in that, please send them my way. Or if you yourself are interested in that, reach out. I, I would love, I think it's going to be super fun, you know? Um, 
Um, but but the thing is that, <clears throat> you know, of all the different, you know, again, as I was saying, though, you know, we all come to this thing, whether we want to improve our golf game, we want to, um, you know, make more money at our jobs, right? We, we want to be more emotional intelligent because it'll help us to sell cars to people or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that we come to this practice to, to achieve, you know, that's a very personal thing and that's a very uh, subjective thing, right? We all have different, you know, issues that we're coming to this work with, right? And and but the thing is that that when you're in the work, right, like you come to it to to improve your golf game, right, or or you know your marriage, or your your just to do better at work, or whatever it is, right. But the thing is that that's like the entryway. That's your gateway, right? That's your gateway issue for mindfulness. But once you get into mindfulness, you know, some of the really beautiful aspects and really amazing things that start to unfold and start to reveal themselves to you. And that's when things get really, really exciting. You know, as I said, the special sauce, right? The whole thing that we're really trying to do with mindfulness you know, again, yes, you're coming to, to reduce stress. You're coming to deal with anxiety. You're coming to, uh, you know, somehow, you know, get along better with your spouse or you're looking to find, you know, g- you know, be more, you know, on the dating scene, you know, somehow help yourself on the dating scene, right? Or, you know, you want to sell more cars or you want to play better golf, whatever it is, right? You're coming to this work for that thing. And yes, it will help all of those things, right? There's no question about it. There's lots of science behind how uh, mindfulness helps to reduce stress, has, has reduced anxiety, reduce perfectionism, reduce all kinds of things that we don't want. And it, impro- and it inc- increases and improves all the things that we do want, right? It helps with resilience. It helps with attention, helps with a positive outlook. It helps with the, uh, the, the uh, ability to be uh, compassionate and generous, right? Which those four things, you probably re- remember them, that those are the four constituents of well-being as told by Richard Davidson, the world-famous, renowned uh, neuroscientist, right? So, so in every aspect, right, whatever it is that you're coming for in this work, you're going to, to improve the things that you're going to get more of what you want and less of what you don't want, okay? So it really is like a, a panacea in a way. It's, it's, a, it's a fix-all, you know, but, but it's not, it shouldn't be looked at that way, you know, because, because again, yes, you're coming in for that one, you know, thing that you're targeting, right? But the best thing you can do is to come for that thing and and recognize that that's what you're trying to do, but then forget about it, right? Put that aside and, and just focus on the process, right? Don't focus on the outcome, but focus on the process, right? Because in the process, that's where you find yourself, and I mean find yourself, right? Like, like that's where you come into realizing like who you really are and what makes you tick, right? And once you know that, right, once you have a, a, a true, you know, grasp and a t- in touch with that, you know, seriously, at that point, there's almost nothing that you can't do from that space, right? And again, it, it, go, it, it transcends the idea of just being less angry or just reducing your stress or just playing golf, you know, like, like a lot of my clients come to me, as I just told Adam during our podcast a little while ago, is that a lot of my clients, you know, in the end, right, like, you know, or, you know, in the midst of our work together, you know, say, you know, 10 weeks in or something like that, people are coming to me and, and mentioning how how much this work has, has, you know, kind of affected their spiritual practice and their spiritual life. 
And that's something, I mean, I don't teach spirituality, right? I don't come at this from a, a place of Buddhism. Of course, I mean, everything I talk about has a spiritual component to it, right? Because spiritual is nothing more than uh, just, you know, that which is not material, right? So, so, so anything that's happening inside of you, you know, your emotional intelligence, that's spirituality on a certain level, you know? So, so I, I, you know, so it, it, you know, but I don't talk about it in terms of dogma or, or, uh, or like, you know, Buddhism or, you know, but, but sometimes we get into, sometimes I get into really deep and, and wonderful conversations with some of my clients about Christianity and, and, you know, and, 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 and religion, like really deep, deep stuff. And so my point with that, is that, you know, at no point do I advertise myself as someone who's going to help you to be in touch with your Christianity or, or somebody who's going to, you know, make you a better Buddhist or, or, you know, anything like that. Like, that is not what I'm doing here, right? But yet that is what people derive from the work, right? And that's what I mean, is that this, this work kind of gets into every aspect of your life, right? In a really, really beautiful way, right? In a way that, that really is, you know, extraordinarily helpful, extraordinarily healthy, extraordinarily compassionate, so it's helpful for others too. And it's just it's just extraordinary on every way, you know? And so and so so among all of the amazing, you know, benefits and the amazing ways in which the benefits arrive to us through this practice, right? One of the most profound and amazing ways is is in non-identification, right? Or you might say disidentification, right? So when something happens in our life, right? And especially if, if it's something that's an emotional something that's happening, right? Like, um, you know, you might feel like, uh, you know, <clears throat> you know, you're just an angry person right? Like, it's just, that's how I am. You know, my, my parents were angry. I listened to Art, and he talks about the generational cycles and stuff, and I know that my parents were angry. My grandparents were angry. The great-grandparents were probably angry, too, you know? So everybody in my family is just angry, and I just, I'm just an angry person, and that's just how I am, and that's just who I am. And so it's never going to change, right? Like, that, that's the concept that a lot of people have. You know, and again, it doesn't just have to be about anger, right? It can be about, um, you know, being, you know, shameful, or it could be about, um, you, know, uh, you know, you're the kind of person who never speaks up for yourself, or you're the person who never causes any kind of conflict or, or never stirs the mud, you know, all these kind of things, right? Like, these are the ways that we kind of, you know, identify ourselves, right? And then what we're doing is we're identifying ourselves, identifying ourselves, pardon me, with the emotional, you know, activity of our body, right? <clears throat> and we can also identify ourselves with our religion. We can identify ourselves with our occupation, with our, uh, our, our role as a parent, our, you know, so for instance, like I am a parent of a boy and a girl, right? <laughs> like I'm not a parent of two girls, not a parent of two boys, right? I'm a parent of a boy and a girl. And that, that is something that is, you know, that is specific to me, right? But again, if I if I identify with that, then then what happens is in that identification, we start to it's almost like we believe the role that we're setting ourselves up to play. Right now. Now, of course, it's I mean, you know, the identification of a parent with two children, I mean, that that's kind of a hard one to illustrate here. Um, but let's talk about the emotional reaction or the emotional identification. Right. Because this is something that's very easy to uh, to illustrate here. And I know we've talked about this before, but but this is the key to to self-regulation. Right. It really is. Right. Um, 
or at least it plays a key component. It is a key component in self-regulation. So let me tell you exactly what I mean by that. So first of all, in whatever you're doing in your life, right, whether it's as a uh, an occupation, whether it's as a parent, as a spouse, as a golfer, as a uh, uh, an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, a, a middle management person, a retail worker, a restaurant worker, uh, an Uber driver, you know, anything that you do, anything, right? And, and whether it's your occupation or just moving through the world, right, just anything that you are doing at any given time, right? Self-regulation is the most valuable thing that you can have, right? It, it just is. Like, there's, it's, it's, you can't, I mean, please debate me on it. Let, let's get into the conversation, you know, if, if you'd like to. But there's really no debate to it, right? There's, there's no argument, right? Because, because when we have the, the, the functional ability to, to regulate how we responds to the things around us, right? Especially on an emotional level, right? When we can control that, when we can regulate that, that allows us to live life on our terms, not on the terms of our emotions, right? Chade Mang Tan, who, uh, you know, I also talked about in the podcast this morning with Adam, uh, he is the, the, the author of and, uh, and, and originator of uh, the, the mindfulness program at Google called Search Inside Yourself, right? And, um, and uh, um, so, so one of the ways in which he talks about this, right, because his whole, his whole concept, and he's got a really beautiful, and I told this story on the podcast earlier, so you can go listen to it there, but I'll tell you here too, um, that, that Meng, as we call him informally, <laughs> um, you know, he set out, you know, one of the, re well, first of all, at Google, they have this amazing uh, policy, right, where they, they allow every employee, right, as long as you have like a, a, a sort of a plan and, and you're intentional about it, like it, you have to meet certain requirements, like you can't just say, I'm going to play video games, you know, but, but, but each employee at Google is allowed, and I think it's each employee, it might not, it might be just management, I don't know, but, but employees at Google are, are, are permitted to use 20% of their time on a pet project, right? Something that they feel strongly about and they want to put their effort and energy into, right? And again, I don't think it's the kind of thing where you can say, well, I'm going to play Minecraft for 20% of my time and, you know, thanks, Google. <laughs> I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> you know, you have to have some sort of plan. And so so Meng Tan, you know, he he came at this, like his his dream in his world. Now, now first of all, you know, Meng Tan, even though he, he kind of created a, a very secular uh, mindfulness program, at Google, right? It's not Buddhism. It's, it's you know, evidence-based mindfulness like I talk about, right? Um, and really geared towards emotional intelligence, which is also what we're talking about here, right? Um, but but he, he, you know, being a Buddhist his whole life, right? He is a practitioner of Buddhism. His parents were Buddhists. His grandparents were Buddhists. So it's something that's, that's baked into his existence, right? And, um, and so so when, when he came at this, you know, when, when he when he was offered this opportunity to take 20% of his time and, and, and apply it to something that's, you know, again, bigger than himself, something that's a, an important project for him, his goal, right, and listen to this, right, he wanted to create the conditions for world peace within his lifetime. That's his personal goal, right? So, I mean, we talk about purpose, right? That is a pretty good one, right? I mean, Chade Mangtan, he got it on that one, right? And so, and so, so but even, even more impressively, right, 
he he knew that that if if he could get you know vast amounts of people in the world to 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 practice mindfulness and and again because of the emotional regulation of it right like he's teaching it from a place of of emotional intelligence right which is you know the 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 key, one of the key concepts of emotional intelligence is the ability to regulate our emotions right and so and so he knew that by by doing the work of mindfulness and meditation formally and informally and semi-formally right he knew and 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 by by adding in some compassion into that he knew that that could achieve the he knew that it would achieve the emotional intelligence and he knew that if he made enough people emotionally intelligent then then there was a chance that that world peace could actually happen Right, because that's what it is. If you can control and regulate your anger and your your you know you you the the initial feeling that you want to just reach out and and punch someone, right? You know, if you can regulate that, well, then there's less fighting in the world, and we are actually moving towards world peace, right? And so, and then brilliantly, you know, May uh, Chade, uh, I'm sorry, Meng also uh, uh, you know formulated in his mind very very brilliantly that that if if he could show the the you know the the you know upper management executives of Google if he could prove that this could be profitable for the company then a huge company like Google could put resources into this and if a huge company like Google puts resources into this then you're talking about a global reach and you're talking about truly the potential for glo- uh, for world peace to exist within Meng's lifetime. I think he's about you know, a little bit older than me now. I mean, maybe sixty, so he's still got some time. There's still a chance, right? And so, and so, one of the th- so everything that that Meng talked about for those first few years in promoting this was emotional intelligence, right? Because that's something that's tangible, right? We can, you know, again, we come into this with something. Okay, what's it going to do for me? right? I need to know that there's something to this, right? Well, the thing that it's going to do for you is the emotional intelligence. The thing that emotional intelligence will do for you is virtually anything that you're looking to improve in your life, right? But again, the beautiful thing is that, that yeah, you, you know, like I said in my podcast this morning with Adam, you know, I came to this work for the emotional intelligence. I stayed for the spirituality, Right. Like like that's the thing. Like once you get to that point of of of, you know, of emotional regulation and emotional intelligence, which also includes, you know, it starts with self-awareness, uh, then builds into self-regulation, uh, then goes into the motivation that your your emotions provide, and then you're talking about empathy and then social skills, right? That's essentially the five key domains of emotional intelligence, right? And once you master those, yes, you're going to see amazing improvements in your life in whatever you're doing, right? Like I said, if you, anything from golf to selling cars, you're going to do it better because of your emotional intelligence, right? But it's not going to stop there, right? It's going to keep going. Every area of your life is going to benefit from this work. However, (laughs) that is still just the surface level, right? Once you start getting into this and once you start becoming more aligned with who you are, with your true you-ness, right, then you realize things that are way more profound than anything that you could apply to uh, to selling cars or being a parent or being a spouse or you know it's just it, those things seem just tiny 
and insignificant in in the face of the true understanding that you can get through this work when you when you truly do align with your inner nature and your your authentic self right and it's just absolutely amazing it really really is absolutely amazing and so i'm telling you all this to inspire you you know, I want you to be inspired to take the step and do these practices. You know, I was just working on a, uh, you know, as I told you, I'm about to launch this uh, anger, you know, transforming anger uh, program. And so I was writing up some sort of marketing materials, just something I'm going to put out there to try to, you know, tell people about the course. Pardon me. And, um, and so, so as I was doing the, as I was writing this thing up, right, I, I came to, to think that, you know, I came to realize that, um, that it's, it's, you know, it's not, I just lost my train of thought. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I had to take a sip of water and I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh my gosh. It's on a, on a podcast. That's so, oh boy. So anyway, I was writing up this um, this this uh, document, and and it's you know again it's all about you know this ability that we have to to you know to to the self regulation right that when we're when we're operating from this place of anger right you know we don't have any control over what's happening in 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 our inside or outside of us right and generally speaking we're going to find some consequences that come. When we, when we find ourselves in that dysregulated place, right? And so, so again, you know, I don't remember exactly what I was going to say, but what I want to say now is that, um, you know, one of the key aspects of this is the ability to disidentify. You know, I, taught, I started talking about this before, right? But this is the key, right? Like this is such a huge key to the, that sort of entryway to emotional intelligence as I talk about, right? And so, 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 you know, because, because the, the non-identification actually creates the ability to, to regulate, it's kind of amazing that way, right? So, so anyway, the way that, that Meng uh, talks about it in the, in the beginning of, of what he was doing with Search Inside Yourself is he, he talked, he, he, one day I was, I watched a, a talk that he gave and um, he, he talked about, you know, emotional intelligence is like, you know, imagine yourself riding a horse backwards, right? Like you have no control over where the horse is going, right? And in fact, he says there's a, an old proverb from China where, you know, uh, two men are walking along the uh, uh, road and they see a guy, you know, riding by on a horse and they say to the guy on the horse, they say, hey, where are you heading? And he says, I don't know, ask the horse, right? And so, so that's how we live with our emotions in our lives in a lot of ways, right? We, 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 you know, we're just along for the ride and we don't know where we're going, Right. And so, so what, what Meng says is that when we learn emotional intelligence and we learn emotional intelligence th or, or build the skill of emotional intelligence through the practices of mindfulness, right? What happens is we, we like turn ourselves around on the horse and we sit right, you know, facing the right way. And when we do that, now all of a sudden we can control where the horse goes. Right. And so, so again, one of the greatest ways to get through this 
is through the act of, uh, or through the the practice of non-identification or disidentification, right? So again, I started, I'm sorry I digressed and then lost my train of thought. It's very embarrassing. I hope you'll forgive me. I hope you'll come back and listen again. But, um, but, but the, I'm just doing my best here, right? Um, but, but when we talk about, you know, again, I was talking before about anger, right? And how we, we might get this sense like I'm just an angry person. And I personally felt this way forever, right? For my whole life, I just felt like I'm just cursed with being an angry, reactive person. It's just who I am. And it's just, you know, and it's, it's just my fate and there's nothing I can do about it, right? <laughs> it's so silly to look back on and think that I thought that was true because it's not true, right? You can do something about it. And, and, and one of the ways in which, you know, you can really help yourself with this is to, to look at the emotions, and this, again, this can apply to everything else, but it's really easy to sort of see and explain through the emotions. But you can look at the emotions as an experience, right? Look at, look at it as an experiential phenomenon rather than an existential phenomenon, right? So in other words, the person who, like myself, is in there saying like, well, I'm just an angry person. It's just the way it goes, right? Or, or the person who's saying, my mind just wanders too much. I can't get into this work or, or I have too many thoughts or, you know, or what have you, right? These are things that we're, we're labeling ourselves, right? We're, we're identifying with the emotion. We're saying, I am an angry person, right? Or, or even just, I am angry, right? Like as you're experiencing anger, I am angry right now. That's not true, right? There's no single emotion that could hold all of the profundity and, and amazingness that is you, right? There's nothing that could absolutely possibly hold that, right? But yet that's what we say all the time, right? I am angry. I am sad. I am worried. I am anxious. I am this. I am that, right? And again, we can, you know, I am a doctor. I am a coach. I am a, you know, the, like we identify with things all the time, right? But we, if we step back and instead of saying, I am angry or I am a coach, we say, I am experiencing anger in my body right now, right? You see what the difference is there? You see how that changes things? Because when we say that, we, again, we're taking a step back from it, right? And we're looking at it from back here, right? We're not all up in it and, and all surrounded by it and all entangled in it and all stuck in it, right? When, when we say, I'm just experiencing anger in my body right now, well, that also gives us an insight into a really, really important aspect of the, the regulation, which is the impermanence, right? As I've told you here before, uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor, the amazing uh, neuroanatomist, she in one of her books, in her book, uh, My Stroke of Insight, she's somebody who's a neuroanatomist who had a stroke in the shower before work one day. And she got to like witness in real time, knowing exactly what was happening in her brain. She got to witness herself having a stroke, which was just just amazing. And she got a great uh, TED talk on it, if you want to check it out. Uh, it's old. It's like, I don't know, 10 years old now, maybe. But but anyway, she wrote a book about it. And, um, and in the book, <laughs> she shares with something scientific and shocking, that the emotions in our body only last for about 90 seconds, right? That, that chemical, electrical, you know, reaction that becomes the emotion in your body only lasts for 90 seconds. And so when I tell people that, they look at me like I'm crazy because they say to themselves or they say to me like, but, but Art, I've been feeling angry for days, 
<laughs> you know, like like me, I used to feel like I was angry for years. What do you mean an emotion only lasts for 90 seconds? How can you even say that? Well, here's the thing, right? The emotion does only last for 90 seconds, but the reason you experience the emotion for longer than that is because your body is renewing the emotion through the thoughts and the sensations in your body, that whole cycle that happens, right? And so so again, you know, emotional regulation comes down to the awareness of knowing that, okay, my thoughts are, you know, I'm, I'm having these thoughts of, of, you know, like spiteful, angry thoughts. And so I'm, I'm renewing this anger that I'm feeling, that I'm experiencing, right? But again, it's all just something that is happening to this body, you know, um, you know, when I can take a step back and I say, well, who is even watching it happen? right? That's where we get into some deep stuff. And, and we, can, we can, again, release ourselves from this sort of entanglement that we wind up having with our emotions. And we can do that through the impermanence and the disidentification. So if you'd like some practices to help with this, and you know, I mentioned this in the beginning, I'm going to give you a practice right now. So here's here's one of my very favorite practices, right? And this is one that I came up with myself. It's a, it's a combination of several, um, uh, you know, ancient and traditional practices, but this one is my specific, you know, little little creation, and I love it. Uh, and 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 this is the practice that most of my clients come back and say that's the one, like that has helped me immensely, right? And and it's especially helpful for people who struggle with with the routine and the uh, and the the you know, logistics of a daily practice. Okay. So, so here's what you're going to do. It's just as simple as pausing. Okay. Now, ideally you're going to do it four times a day. Now you can either set a timer to go off four times a day. You can just try to remember to do it at like 10, 12, two, four, something like that. Uh, or you could attach it to certain, you know, things that you do every day. Like just when you first get to work, uh, just before lunch, just before you leave work, just after dinner, you know, that kind of thing, uh, whatever works for you, but, but you take four times during the day, spread them out as much as you can. Okay. And whatever your cue is, right, whether it's the, the alarm or the thing that you're doing, the lunch, whatever, drive to work, whatever it is, but when, when you're cued to do your pause, you're just going to stop what you're doing for, for a couple of minutes, right? And, and in the beginning, it's a couple of minutes. You know, after a couple of weeks, it's not even going to be a couple of minutes. It could be like 10 seconds, right? Because you're going to get good at doing this, right? But in the beginning, set aside like a minute or two, right? And you're going to check in with yourself in specific ways, okay? The first step is to check in with your body. Just notice what you're feeling in your body. Now, you could take a very localized part of your body, like just your chest and your head kind of thing, and just notice what you're feeling. Or you could do your whole body. You could just scan the whole body and just notice what comes up, right? Um, next, after you've done that for maybe about 45 seconds or so, now you're gonna go into your uh, your emotions, right? And, and this is this is specific. The, the, the specific process of this is important, right? Right? Because the, the reason we do this, right, especially four times a day, you know, a lot of times when we're, we're, you know, we feel like we're having a bad day, right? And we feel like it's just life stinks today, right? But the reality is oftentimes that your, your, your whole day isn't bad. That's the same thing with identification, right? You're identifying this whole day is bad, but what you're really doing is you're describing just a couple of you know, instances that cause you to suffer. And you're just coloring the whole day with that suffering that you felt out of just those four or five things that happened, right? So the point of doing this four times a day with the pause 
You're going to check in with yourself at various times during the day. So this day that you feel like you were having this bad day, well, you know what? At two o'clock, even though you feel like it's a bad day, at two o'clock, you might feel some happiness. You might feel some hopefulness. You might feel some emotion that's a very positive emotion. Right. And after you and then so the third step. And, and so, so the idea is to, 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 you know, understand the emotion you're experiencing right now. Right. Not what happened earlier, not what's happening later. Right now. Right. And then do the same thing with your thoughts. Right. Just stop and just check in with your thoughts. What are your thoughts doing right now? If you just let yourself watch your thoughts, where are they right now? Are they in the future? Are they in the past? Are they something are they are you thinking about something positive? Are you thinking about something negative? Are you really focused on what you're doing? Where are you at right now? Right. And so so again, it's not about the answers to these questions, right? It's about asking the questions because what happens is if you ask those questions four times a day, you realize that the answers are going to change. Right. And you're going to realize that four times during this day that I thought was a really crappy day, two times it felt crappy in the pause, but two other times it didn't. So what this is doing is this is giving you a sense of, of impermanence and also allowing you to just see how this is all just happening in your body. OK, so if you would like uh, written instructions for this. You got to email me for it. Okay. I love interaction. So, so, so email me that you would like the written instructions for the pause and I will send it to you. Okay. And if you'd like to talk about this, okay, we'll put a link in the description as I always do that you can book a call with me. It costs you nothing. It's about 45 minutes or so of time and it can change everything for you. So it's going to be there for you. Um, lastly, I do have this, uh, this, transforming anger course coming up. It's a 12-week course. It's very intensive. It's very, when I say intensive, I don't mean hard. I mean, it's it's focused and we're going to get some stuff done. Okay. It's not going to be that hard. It's not going to be grueling or anything, but it's going to be effective. And that I can promise you. And I have dozens of clients who stand up and say how much they've, you know, how much they've benefited from the, the, the courses that I've done. And this one's going to be no different. Okay. So if you have anyone in your life who, who struggles with anger, or if you struggle with anger, I would would love to hear from you. Okay. I really would. Um, you know, again, I'm starting a new thing. So, uh, now's the time to get into it. Right. And I'm, and I'm telling you here before I even tell the whole world about it. Okay. So, uh, because there's so much anger in the world, I do expect this to fill up pretty quickly. All right. So, so if you're interested, if you have anybody in your life or you're interested for yourself, let's get talking about it. And let me hold a spot for you, right? That, you know, whether you take it or not, it's, you know, nothing written in stone or anything, but, but you could, you know, if you're interested, let's save a spot so you can really, you know, have the opportunity. Okay. Uh, and then again, the golf thing, right? I'm thinking like in about four weeks, I'm going to launch a golf, uh, mindful, mindful golfer program. So if you know anybody in your life who's into golf and who would, you know, who, who could have, you know, <laughs> this is asking the same question. If you know anybody who's into golf and could also use improvement on their scores, which is everyone who plays golf, you know, please tell them about me and let me get in touch with them. All right, everybody. I wish you well. I'll be back again tomorrow. I hope you all have a great day and uh, yeah, keep practicing and let me know if you want the, the copy of that practice. Okay. All right, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.